scripture reading is um, Isaiah 50, uh, beginning with verse 4. And so that I actually read well, yes, I will use my reading glasses. Um, and it's Isaiah 50, verse 4, through the end of the passage. And I'll give you a moment to turn in your Bibles, especially for those of you who are accustomed to only having to turn to bulletins. This is, you know, going old school here, although probably some of you are uh, turning on your phones to do this. Okay, so it's Isaiah chapter 50, uh, beginning with verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. It turns not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near, who will contend with me. Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you that even though we are apart from each other physically, yet in a sense, we are told that in Christ, we are seated with you. And in that sense that we are gathered even right now. And I pray, Lord, uh, where each of us are, that you would help us to hear you speak to us. That, that this word that your servant has spoken to us uh, would be really clear. Would you help me to speak well and true to your word and help us to hear whatever we need to hear from you this morning? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I was uh, thinking uh, that, uh, you know, how to start this, and I was realizing maybe I'd begin by talking about how I think I need a new t-shirt, a t-shirt that says I survived Costco during the coronavirus season. Uh, Friday morning, I arrived at the Costco parking lot at around 9.30, and the parking lot was almost completely full, which was very surprising to me. And so for the next 30 minutes, I was amongst a sea of suburbanites, each of us holding tightly to our carts, each of us holding our Costco card in hand, just waiting for the doors to open. And it was interesting because I didn't sense, like there wasn't a lot of panic at the time, or at least not obviously so. There was a lot of laughter, um, a lot of people saying, can you believe this? And many selfies where everyone wanted to kind of like commemorate what just took place. And uh, and no one said the word, at least that I heard, coronavirus, 
but that was obviously what was in the background this whole time. And that made, that became very clear when the doors opened and it seemed like everyone besides maybe me and one other person just made a beeline to one section of the store. And that section was the toilet paper and water section. There was literally hundreds of carts surrounding the bounty toilet, I mean, the bounty paper towels and the toilet paper and the water. And I thought about it after, I'm like, what, what is this? I mean, it's not like the toilet paper is coronavirus infected. It's not like we need to worry about the water. I, there's nothing rational about what's going on, right? It's, it's just fear. Um, and I get it because uh, I'm feeling a bit frightened at times too. Uh, perhaps you've been seeing some of the news coming from Italy about how people are coming to hospitals and are having to be turned away because there's no more space. Or how there are mass grave sites in Iran that are visible from space. Seems like some of the grim news is coming place here. You know, some of the stuff we're hearing from Seattle or New York City is a bit frightening. And it seems like Chicago is only a matter of time before we get some more disturbing news. And it's, it's scary. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the passage that says, fear not for I am with you. And that is true. And that is something we need to hear. But there is something in this time of uncertainty where suddenly it feels so much more important and so much more something that we need to fight to hold on to. And, and I know I have had to fight. Like there are times where I have sensed myself feeling the anxiety kind of flooding up and almost overwhelming me and having to just cling again to the reality and remember the reality of what God says when he says, fear not for I am with you. Now I realize that probably, you know, different people in this group, some of us might be feeling this more than others. And if right now you're feeling fairly calm about this, that's great. I don't want to somehow change that. But I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm primarily speaking this morning to people who are feeling frightened a little bit like me. And, and I guess what I'm wanting us to do together, even as we are apart, is, is to remember. Um, so our passage uh, is the next song of the suffering servant. A little coronavirus is not going to move me off of this series that I'm so excited by. But I will say that when I was looking at this passage, studying it, I was praying and asking God, what, what is it that you have to say to us in this time where we so clearly need to hear your voice? And so I was encouraged when I looked again with those eyes at even how our passage begins. Um, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Now, just to take a step back for a moment to remind you what's going on here. We have these remarkable songs in Isaiah um, written hundreds of years before Christ that clearly, in my opinion, are speaking of Jesus. And some of them, like this one, actually are spoken with the very voice of Jesus, where we are actually hearing Jesus speak to us hundreds of years even before he came to earth. And what he says as he begins is that he came to help the weary. And then if we were to move forward to the end of this song in verse 9, or actually even verse 10, 
It speaks, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord. And so we're speaking here of people who are weary. We are speaking here of people who are walking in darkness. And if you think about it, walking in darkness implies confusion. It implies uh, aimlessness. And so we see from the outset that Jesus was sent by God for people like you and like me, people who are feeling worn down and exhausted, people who are feeling confused and anxious, that, that God sent Jesus to help us in our weakness. He not only sent him, but he, he trained him. He equipped him to help us in our weariness. Now that might feel like a strange idea, the idea that, that, that Jesus was equipped or trained by God, but perhaps you notice that's exactly what he leads with. He, he says, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. And in case we miss it, at the end of the same verse, it says, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. And another way of putting it of one who is taught is to speak of one who is a disciple. Jesus is saying, before you understand anything else about me, you need to know that I am a disciple, a disciple of God. We've spoken of this in the last couple of weeks. It seems strange to think of this, but when we speak of Jesus becoming like us, we need to remember that when he was born into this world, he was not born suddenly knowing everything. He was born to learn. and. And we see how this learning is described. He says, morning by morning, he awakens. That is, God awakens my ear. We know, perhaps, at least I know I've experienced, how I begin my day, how it shapes my thinking, can set the trajectory for the rest of the day. And Jesus says, as he awakens in the beginning of the day, God speaks to him. And he listens. And it shapes the way he is. And everything that he hears from God, we are told, he, he takes in. It says, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. And, and the result is that everything he hears from his father reflects what he says. That's what he means at the very beginning when he says, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. What I say comes from God, my father. That's exactly what Jesus says when he is in this world. And he tells the Pharisees, do you not understand? I say nothing of my own authority, but I only say what the father has taught me. And what the father has taught Jesus is what we've already said, how to sustain with a word him who is weary, how to bring light to those in darkness. The father teaches Jesus morning by morning. He taught Jesus saying, let me tell you how to help those who are tired. Let me help tell you and teach you how to bring light in darkness, that these people who are worn down and exhausted and confused, you might bring life to them. So the first truth that our passage has for us this morning is that our God sees us and he cares. 
God understands how much it costs to live in a world that is broken in disrepair and corrupted by sin. He knows how much we get worn down by it. He knows the weight of our anxiety and our confusion. And that is why he sent his son. Even though we have chosen to push ourselves at times away from God, our God sees us and he loves us. And he sent his son to pull us out of this anxiety, to give us life, to sustain us in moments of weariness. That's what the servant tells us because everything the servant does, he has learned from his father. And the second thing I want us to notice is how he is sustaining us. In verse four, again, it says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. I got to admit, when I was looking at this, I kind of almost felt a little, I don't know, let down's the wrong way of putting it, but to kind of feel like, so I'm trying to tell our congregation that it's okay, you're tired, here are a few facts, because that's what it felt like to me when it says to give a word but that was a mistake. God is not saying to Jesus, here are a few facts to help people. This idea of word is something bigger than that. It's a truth. It is like a key that God gives his people to unlock their souls and to open up for them a different way of seeing, a different way of living. What is that key? Well, we don't explicitly see what this word is, but I think servant hints at it a few different times. Did you notice in this passage, and hopefully you still have it open because I think you'll see it more clearly than, than just being able to hear it, how again and again when Jesus speaks of God, he uses the same name repeatedly. So verse four, the Lord God has given me. Verse five, the Lord God has opened my ear. And it's repeated a couple more times. And you might notice actually that these two words Lord just looks normal, except it's capital L, but God, all three letters are capitalized. Here's a little tip for you in terms of reading the Old Testament. Whenever God or Lord is all capitalized, it's actually pointing to the Hebrew word Yahweh. Um, the word's considered so sacred that when it was read in Hebrew, they would never actually pronounce the name because they wanted to honor it. And it is the personal name that God has revealed to his people. A name basically saying, I, this is my name, and we have a personal relationship. When you hear this name, you know that I am your God, and I love you, and I am committed to you. That, that is the connotation of Yahweh. And then the other word here, Lord, um, means, it's the word Adonai. It means master, ruler, the one who is in charge. So we really could paraphrase when the servant is speaking of God, what he says you could really easily paraphrase it each time. Our God who is in charge. Our God who is in charge has given me a tongue. Our God who is in charge has opened my ear. Our God who is in charge helps me in verse 7. Again in verse 9, behold, our God who is in charge helps me. And I think that tells us what the word is that we are meant to hear from the servant to help us in our weariness. That our God, our God, the one who loves us, the one who is committed to us, is in charge. 
And chapter 52 actually reinforces that understanding because it speaks of a messenger whose feet are considered beautiful because he comes to bring good news. And the good news that he comes to proclaim to his people is simply this, our God reigns. Our God, the one who knows you and loves you is in charge. This is the word that is meant to sustain the weary. And if we can actually hear it and allow it to settle into our soul, it can unlock for us a different way of being in this world, a way guided not by fear, but by hope that overflows in love towards others. And I say that because that is actually the effect this word has on Jesus, the servant himself. Perhaps you noticed when we get to verse six, that Jesus faced some real conflict. He says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. It feels foreign to us, the idea of pulling out a beard, but if you just think about what he's describing, he is saying that before him, he was experiencing his body being brutalized, his body being humiliated, him losing control of his body as it was diminished and as he was excluded from society. And if you think about it for a moment, some of the very fears that we have right now, though in a totally different context, about what might happen to us. Are somewhat similar. And what I find striking is how Jesus faced this. He faced this with a firm resolve. He gave his back to those who strike. He turned his cheek to those who were willing to destroy him, to pull out his beard. He did not hide his face. It says in verse seven, I have set my face like flint. When God gave him this mission, to speak a word to the weary, to show mercy to those who need it, to shine light into darkness. Even as he experienced this rejection, he did not turn his face away. There is this resilient gentleness. There is a courage as he sees before him those things that we in some ways understand, the fears that we have, and yet he refuses to turn back. And he stubbornly continues to speak the truth and to speak love, even in the face of this opposition. And and how does he do this? It's, It's not because as Jesus, he has this superhuman resolve. Now, verse seven, he explains exactly how he is able to live in this way. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He is saying, the reason that I can set my face like flint, that's an image for hardness, for not moving, for resilience. The reason I can do this is because God helps me. Because our God is in charge. And I know that no matter what people might say or people might do, he has the final word. 
In fact, in verse 9, he even explicitly speaks of how those who are accusing him, all them will wear out like a garment. Things that look so frightening right now will one day look like a moth-eaten sweater. And, and let me tell you that, that that is true for what we are facing right now as well. The economy is looking disconcerting, but that will pass. COVID-19 will pass. The, the social disruption that's keeping us from each other will pass. And through it all, and at the end of it all, God will remain. The God who loves you and knows you who is in charge. And what we need to do is to fight, to hold on to that reality. And that brings us to the final point of the passage that we have this morning. And that is that the servant was sent to us to give us a choice. We see at the very end, the last two verses, it's no longer the servant who is speaking. It's actually um, kind of a reflection in response. And, and really what you have here is a choice. It says, who among you? It's talking about some of you might be one way, some of you might be the other. And the two choices are in verse 10 and in verse 11. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Here is the first choice. The servant speaks. And one choice is to hear the servant as the servant seeks to sustain us in our weariness, as he seeks to bring light in our darkness. One choice is to listen and to hear that reality that our God is in charge. But then the other option, in verse 11, behold, all you who kindle a flame, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your own fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. What's being said here is that in the middle of darkness, the other option that some might choose is rather than hearing the servant and walking by his light to try to create their own light and follow their own path, though that leads to torment. And we might wonder, why in the world would anyone even choose that second one? If, if the first one is the servant in love, giving hope, giving strength to the weary, why even is that second choice mentioned? Except for the fact that throughout this passage, it's clear that that second choice is a very real one. Jesus himself, did you notice when he says, when the Lord has opened my ear, I was not rebellious, implying that that was a choice that he had to make not to resist this truth that our God reigns. And then verse six, when we see this opposition, we see consistently person after person as the sun comes to show mercy, to help those in times of anxiety and weariness. The people, instead of hearing and being healed, they mock, they reject, they beat. It, rather than hearing this word that can sustain them, they try to silence it. They try to snuff the light out. There is mocking and beating and, and crucifixion. And, and what that alerts us to, or what it should alert us to, is that there is in this world a very real force that opposes, that resists this truth that is meant to heal us. That force that we oftentimes speak of as, as sin is what resides in human hearts and even what resides in our own hearts. And, and what this signals to us is that 
if we don't do anything about this, if we just allow ourselves to follow it, what is natural to us and what seems natural to the world around us, this latter choice of following our own light is the choice that we will naturally make. But what the servant comes to do, it's like we are treading water in dark waters in the middle of night. We are wearing down. We don't know where to go. And suddenly the servant swims out to us and says, take hold of my arm and I will bring you back. He says, let me be your teacher. Apprentice yourself to me. Because that is really what it means to be a Christian. Think of when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he is saying, make people who are apprentices of me. To be a Christian is to be someone who has Jesus that we are apprenticed to, so that morning by morning, he awakens us with his word that is able to sustain us in our weariness. It is what it means to be a Christian, and it is what it means every day. To follow Christ. Every day you and I have to decide whether we allow the voice of Jesus to be what shapes us or the light that the world has to offer. Let me just use a final illustration that a personal one. So um, I have been paying, as I'm sure many of you have, a lot of attention to the news in the last week. A part of that, I think, is because I need to. I've had to make, together with the elders, some decisions for our church, and that means I've had to be aware of kind of what the situation is. But I have to confess, I think I've been spending a lot more time in the news than just for the sake of informing myself, whether it's checking Twitter every however many minutes and seeing all the most recent opinions or watching different press conferences or making sure I know everything about epidemiology and flattening the curve and, and things that are important, don't get me wrong, but I'm definitely going beyond what I need to know. And, and I've asked myself, why is it that I keep on wanting to know more? And I think the answer is because I'm trying to find a way to feel better. That maybe if I keep reading, I'll find something that feels like good news. Or maybe at least what it will do is help me feel a little bit more in control of the situation. Of course, the reality is that I find neither of those things right now and I, I don't feel better. And meanwhile, as I'm spending time in this, I am actually choosing what my heart is going to be an apprentice to. Because the reality is when we're reading the news, and this is not meant as a criticism of the news, this is just the facts. That when the news is presented, it's not framed with a perspective of God being in charge, is it? It's just telling us the odds. It's telling us about flattening the curve. It's speaking of percentages. And, and what I have discovered is that for myself, what that has started to teach me is that chaos is in charge. Is in charge. That, that COVID-19 is what reigns. And as I have let my heart seep in that storytelling, I have felt terrible. Now you might say, of course you're feeling bad. We are facing a pandemic unlike anything else we've experienced, but I'm telling you that I have realized that there is something within me that's, that's deeper than that. And part of the reason I know that that's true is over the last few days, as I've sought to change in this regard, I've sought to moderate my my receiving of news, not stop it. I'm not saying that it's wise for us to stick our hands in the heads in the sand and just pretend nothing's going on. But as I've sought to moderate it 
and instead I have sought to to immerse myself in the word of Jesus, whether that is being connected to the world around as the heavens declare the glory of God, or whether that means listening to God's word and immersing myself in it. There is a way where I've found this word is able to sustain me in my weariness and give light in a time of anxiety. And I have felt like the fog has lifted. Not suddenly feeling like everything's gonna be okay in terms of human terms that we're somehow going to escape any suffering and next week's gonna go back to normal. I, I don't think that's the case. But in terms of realizing that beneath and behind all of this that seems so chaotic, there is a God who loves you and loves me and is in charge over all. And yes, we know that this God sometimes might bring us through suffering and disease and even death, but this God will bring us through it. And we are safe because our God is in charge. You know, it's a rare thing to be in a time when you are certain that something historically significant is taking place, but we are in one such time. The world is being humbled like it has not in decades. The economy is being brought to its knees. Government are being brought to their knees. Individualism and this idea that we can just do things on our own, all of that is being brought low. And what the world needs from us is the only truth that can actually sustain the weary and bring light in the midst of darkness. What the world needs to see from us, what the world needs to hear from us in our lives and our words is the reality that our God is in charge. So would you now please join with me in prayer? Father, I do pray for all of us um, throughout um, this community, um, your church. Lord, I pray not only that you would strengthen us with this reality, that you would not only help us to hear this truth that our God reigns, but Lord, would you please help us to know what it looks like to serve the world around us in that confidence? Would you help us in this time of uncertainty to be like Jesus, a light, to be ones who supplies words that will bring hope in the midst of weariness? And Lord, now as we move forward and as we gather together, even with these, this liturgy that we're about to engage in in our separate households, we ask that you would be present, strengthening us and making us more like Christ Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. All right, friends, thanks for joining me. I invite you now to find those pages. Hopefully you've